0: the people in life are countless. So we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Side and sidequests. and sidequests. Side side Episode 40. Skink knows the Lich Beekeeper. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Crenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Leah Murray's Table in the Levitating Platter.
1: hello everyone welcome to another fabulous exciting episode of sidekicks and sidequests the best unofficial D&D podcast, if I might say so in my biased opinion. I'm joined by another fabulous awesome sauce person. So why don't I turn the mic over and ask my guests to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Hi everybody. My name is Leah. I work for an insurance broker doing very boring things where it's mostly just copy and paste all day and I get to listen to music and wear jeans and t-shirts. So awesome. Mm -hmm. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, but I have wanted to. Okay. So this is going to be a really fun experience. I also work part-time at my family's massage studio as a front desk associate, so that is also a factor as to why I've not had time to learn yet. Oh,
1: okay. Fair enough. And correct me if I'm wrong, since you and I both went to the same institution of higher learning, did you end up getting your degree in theater? Is that what you ended up majoring in?
2: Yes, I got my degree in theater with a minor in communication and one extra year of education for a teaching certificate, which I later decided was not for me. hmm So, we just kind of fell into this insurance broker thing. But uh, still love theater, still love everything about it. Just waiting till things kind of mellow out to try to get back into it.
1: Currently, right now, at the time of this recording, we're dealing with a pandemic, so the arts are kind of suffering a little bit, but we hope that we're able to return to culture and have plays and musicals and all the things that you and I both enjoyed. I know on my old podcast for our veteran listeners, one of the first episodes my buddy Anson and I did, we talked about the musicals we did in high school and college, and so I know both you and I got to do at least one or two
2: musicals together I know one for sure we did. We I think did it was best car- of in Texas.
1: We did do that one, but we also did Carousel, didn't we?
2: We did do Carousel. Yeah. It's funny you bring that up. I was talking to another person that was in that show with us, Chris mm-hmm. Lloyd, mm-hmm. the other day, and we were jokingly saying that we should do a revival through Zoom.
1: Oh, there you go. Yeah. I would have to relearn everything because it's all... Just gone. So, (laughs) oh,
2: yeah, no, this would just be purely for fun and just to see how much we actually remember while no choreography is being done.
1: Right. We're just sitting here in our chairs, just waving our arms around, like, woo.
2: I feel like that'd be like the best way to go about it. Just raw, uncut, just go for it.
1: Right. It's surprising being a theater major because the story that you hear is that, oh, theater kids, they're all about Dungeons and Dragons, but you, I suppose, never had the opportunity to play either when you were younger or in college.
2: No, so I think in high school, so I used to hang out at this comic book store by my high school called Ninja Pirate, which sadly is not there anymore. Aww. And they had a group that would play Dungeons & Dragons, but one of my friends whose parents went there were in that group, so it was all these older people, mm-hmm. and they were never really keen on stopping, because they would have, like, continuous play, so not like, all right, this is what we're doing today, or anything like that, so there's never really an opportunity to kind of sit in and learn. Okay. And then because they're adults and have varying schedules, they would get there before us, so it, was, it wasn't like they didn't really want to let us in. (laughs)
1: Hmm, sorry to hear that.
2: Yeah. Well, that's fine. In high school, I ended up playing games like Zombie and Sexy Pirate Alien Ninja Cat Girls or something like that. or
1: Spanx. Yeah, I think I saw that at the game store. Yeah.
2: Yes. Weird game, but I love it all the same. Mm-hmm. I finally, after years of searching for it, managed to find it for like 20 bucks on Amazon one day. It was like the last one. Oh, so okay. I'm the proud owner of that. Nice. Yep. We're still working on Zombie because no one else in my family would have the patience to play it with me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll work on it. Cool. Yeah, and then college, it was just, I have an issue with saying the word no. So my college days were mostly up at 6 a.m. to get ready for class for 8 a.m. classes, and then home by like one or two, because I usually had rehearsal or something else happening.
1: Right, you were definitely a busy bee in college, so you did a lot of plays, and I had quite an enjoyment being able to catch the ones that I was able to, and uh, certainly being in a musical or two together was also great, and we got to be friends that way. We hadn't spoken in a while, so I thought you'd be a perfect guest for this show, which is why I wanted to bring you on board.
2: And I got to hear from you on my birthday, which was even more special, so that was really awesome.
1: There we go. So we don't spend too long down memory lane. Do you happen to have a favorite NPC character or a sidekick, whether it's from a video game or a book or a play, etc., and why are they your favorite sidekick or non-player character?
2: That's a tough one, actually. I do read a lot of books and, oh, you know what? So I would say it's probably, there's a book series that Meg Cabot writes. Meg Cabot's the lady that wrote Princess Diary series. Okay. She also writes another series called The Mediator, which is about a girl that can see ghosts. Okay. And she has three younger stepbrothers that she refers to only as Sleepy, Dopey, and Doc. Those three would probably be funny just because their personalities are all so different. But of the three, it would probably be Doc, who's her youngest. He's like 12 and in high school with her.
1: Super smart guy, I guess. Yeah. So Doc, this younger brother of the protagonist of the series, who again can see and talk to ghosts.
2: Yes, and he's aware that there are ghosts that live in the same house as them. He's terrified of them, but he's still like, I want to protect my newly found big sister at all costs. Because when you first meet them, it's shortly after their parents get married to each other.
1: Oh, okay. So it's a step-sibling relationship.
2: Yes. Oh, okay. That's probably why I like. I like all three of them, but of, of them, Doc is probably my favorite.
1: Awesome. Do you happen to have a favorite side quest, either from RPG, video game, book, movie, etc.? And why is it your favorite side quest or little
2: vignette? Okay, so video game-wise, I'm a huge fan of Mortal Kombat. Like, if I could pick one game to play for the rest of my life, it would be Mortal Kombat.
1: Get over here.
2: Yes! <laughs> which, if you don't know, they are making a new movie, which I found out recently. Oh, yeah, I think I
1: saw something about that, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's supposed to come out like, sometime next year, so I'm like, John Wick and Mortal Kombat, I'm there. Side mission-wise, I think just the test your mites on Mortal Kombat... I'm highly competitive, but it's like one of the few things on the game that don't require a whole lot of skill, and like button mashing is approved.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. So is this kind of like how in Capcom games, like the Final Fight series, or something? You're progressing through the levels, and then there's randomly a bonus level where there's like a car, and you have to like sit there and hit the car and get the car to destroy in a certain amount of time to get bonus points and stuff. Yeah,
2: the test drives are sometimes different. So sometimes it's like a random memory game. So like they'll put up three characters and like do like the what is that game? The one where you have to, like, switch things around.
1: Like three-card Monty?
2: Yeah, that's what it is. So it's, like, three-card Monty. So they have that. They have one where it's literally just you trying to get your success bar completely full within, like, a certain time frame. And Mm -hmm. because most people are super competitive, you, like, you start button mashing so hard, your arm, like, dies 10 seconds into it. I don't know what it is about the two-jurites. Like, they're not necessarily, like, super exciting. They have nothing to do with the plot. Mm -hmm. But it's still a lot of fun because it's just, like, after a while on Mortal Kombat, especially if you're playing story mode, it's just, like super intense, you're just kinda like, I need a breather. So those are sure. nice. I also like anytime you get the little random dude that pops up and just goes, Justin, but it's just it's completely random. So Okay. You never know what it's gonna happen.
1: Awesome. So I think it's only fitting then to end this section of the show on the question of what are you passionate about and why?
2: Oof. Anything creative really. So like books, music, movies, theater, obviously. Can't really go out and see a lot of theater. And I live in Austin, where you would think I'd have more access to the theater. But again, because I'm usually so busy, not so much. Also, I don't drive downtown for anybody.
1: Parking is a real problem in Austin.
2: It's not even just that. They finally finished one of our major road systems, like Mopac's been under construction since I was little mm-hmm. and they finally finished it. And I feel like Austin doesn't know what to do with itself. So now they have to block off another major alleyway. <laughs> so now they're going to do construction on I-35 because it's the perfect time.
1: Right. Well, yeah, hopefully not as many people are driving around and all that. So yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, they're talking about building part of I-35 underground. I'm planning on avoiding that at all costs. If you've ever seen that I think Sylvester Stallone has a movie where like they have a underground bridge that like collapsed. I have no desire to be in that situation because Sylvester Stallone will not be there to save me.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. We all want Sylvester Stallone to just be right around the corner to save us at a given moment. Exactly. Well, I think we've learned quite a lot about our guest Leah. So now I think it's time we head into NPC creation.
2: I am ready.
0: Awesome.
1: Do you have a character in mind that we're going to create or you're going to share with us? Are we going to randomly roll some dice to make up a character? What's going to happen?
2: I'm all for the random.
1: All right, we have our dice pulled up virtually that we're gonna roll. So we need to determine the character's name. So we'll do this by rolling the D twenty, the twenty-sided die.
2: Okay, I have a thirteen.
1: Thirteen. Okay, this name was given to us by previous guest Daniel Stewart. The name we have is Skink Nose. Skinknose. S-K- Skink Nose. S K I N K N O S E. Skink Nose. Perfect. All right. The next thing we need to determine is the ancestry or the racial background of our character. So this is where we're going to roll a 100-sided die. You could roll 2d10. Okay, let's see. So
2: we have got a 2 and a 6. 26? Yes.
1: Ooh, okay. We have a lich. So these are like... Undead wizards. They're wizards that got so good at necromancy that they were able to stop and cheat death. And so they are like mondo powerful bad guys. So Skink knows the Lich. This is already turning out to be excellent. We get to figure out what is Skink Nose's role or job in society. So now you get to roll an eight-sided die.
2: It looks like we have a four.
1: Okay, interesting. So... Our last guest that we had came up with the job of beekeeper. And this answer in my random tables was provided by previous guest, Michael Horsley. It also is beekeeper. So if you're happy with that, yes. we can keep that. We have Skinknose. I'm okay with beekeeper. You're okay with beekeeper. Okay, so Skinknose, the lich, is a beekeeper. So this is already a wild story that I can't wait to try and figure out. So now we need to figure out the age range of our character. So this will be, you roll a d10 again.
2: Okay, so I got 10.
1: 10, immortal. So we have an immortal lich that is a beekeeper. We will never run out of honey, ever. (laughs) Now that we've rolled some dice and we've kind of got this picture in our brain, let's go ahead and describe the physical appearance of Skinknose, the lich beekeeper.
2: Okay. I'm thinking, because I'm only five feet, we're going to go to six and a half feet because I would like to be tall for once in my life. Also, kind of seeing a Tim Burton-esque looking really long legs, kind of creepy, but like in an approachable way, if that makes sense. Okay. You said he's an undead wizard, so like grayish, kind of mottled looking skin. Oh, okay. I know exactly what I was thinking of because this is the first thought that I had and then I thought it was like the wrong way to go. But it kind of makes me think of, have you ever seen The Black Cauldron? I don't
1: know if I've actually sat down and watched it, but I know of the movie.
2: Okay, so I cannot blame you there. I own The Black Cauldron and I think I've maybe seen like 15 minutes of the movie in the entire like 20 plus years I've owned it. It reminded me of the villain from The Black Cauldron.
1: Okay, the evil wizard in the Black Cauldron.
2: Yes, now that I know what a lich actually looks like, Mm -hmm. more or less, like, that that was kind of the first image that I had, and then I was like, I don't know if that's the right direction to go, but now that I know what it looks like, it's definitely the right direction.
1: What three adjectives do you think describe Skinknose, the lich beekeeper? Hmm. And are they evil bees? Are they good bees or are they evil bees?
2: I would like to say that they are... Neutral.
1: Neutral bees? So they
2: kind of dependent on Skinknose's mood for the day. I feel like Skink Nose would probably be something very unpredictable, uh, okay. especially when you consider he's got all this cosmic power, but keeps bees for a living.
1: Okay, unpredictable. So, okay, that's yeah. a fairly good adjective. Yeah. What else are we thinking of?
2: Maybe haunted. Maybe there's a reason he became A beekeeper as opposed to using his powers. Okay. Which would also give way to the unpredictable. And then maybe contemplative.
1: Contemplative. Okay. Yes. Since he does seem to have all the time in the world on his hands, he can ponder maybe the question of his past, the mysteries of the universe but he placates himself or he spends his days not plotting evil and taking over the world, but tending to his bees. You know, for
2: all we know, he's reading into the way that bees move. I know like some people stare at things and they see patterns. So maybe that's why he keeps the bees.
1: Okay, there you go. That's a very good idea. Now the next thing for us to roll and determine. I mean, unless you feel like you're already inspired, we can keep rolling and get more random stuff. Or if you feel inspired, we can just go off what we got already.
2: Uh let's go ahead and do one more roll.
1: One more roll? Okay. So then this is us determining what's going to be the valuable item, piece of lore, a secret, or maybe an ideal or concept that he subscribes to. So this is actually a combination of dice rolls. So we're going to roll the four-sided dice to figure out which of those categories it's going to be. Okay. So I've got one. Okay, one is going to be a valuable item. So now you get to roll a regular six-sided dice and determine what is going to be the valuable item.
2: And I have six.
1: Six. Okay. Interestingly enough, he has an elaborate pipe and fine tobacco in his possession.
2: Hmm. All right.
1: What's the side quest? What's the mission that Skinknose is going to offer any heroes or adventurers that come his way? We could roll randomly for it? Or do you feel like you have an idea of what Skinknose would want?
2: I think maybe he would want them to maybe help him right a wrong, maybe before he got his power. Are they, like, born with this power? Is it something they develop over time?
1: So I think in the Dungeons & Dragons lore, lichdom is something you kind of have to seek. You study the necromantic arts of magic, and you just get so invested in it, you figure out the ritual necessary to basically, I think, take your soul and you stick it in a phylactery, kind of like a horcrux from Harry Potter. And then you just kind of hide it away, and then you've accumulated all this necromantic power, your visage becomes undead and then you're just going around doing whatever you want you have all this power and whenever people try and fight you if they never find your phylactery you will come back out of the phylactery and reassemble your body and you can just go back on plotting and doing whatever it was you were doing Okay. if we're some of the adjectives you came up with were haunting and contemplative and unpredictable do you think he regrets the journey of becoming a lich is that maybe what you're thinking of
2: Maybe that or just not necessarily his journey overall, but maybe something he did that led him to that journey. Okay. Like in the hopes that he could fix something, but along the way, he just sort of got twisted mm, and it oh. just sort of got pushed to the wayside.
1: Okay. So then what particular wrong would he want the heroes to go and write for him?
2: So I think for something that big, especially... If he has some kind of power that way, maybe what he did has affected, like, an entire generation or, like, an entire family. Okay. So maybe, like, someone that was close with his family prior to him gaining his power, that he did something to them that was so bad it's affected their family for generations.
1: Oh, so he's, like, cursed a family through his actions. Yeah he sends the heroes to go find this family and lift the curse, basically. Yes. Cool. Okay. That I can dig. So, now we have to consider some other questions from this mission. What's going to be the reward for them succeeding?
2: I would say maybe giving them a magical object to aid in their overall quest. Okay. Going back to the Harry Potter thing, sort of like how Harry Potter has his cloak of invisibility, mm-hmm. so something that they could use like later on in the quest if needed.
1: Okay, so depending 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 on whichever campaign this NPC is deployed in, he's willing to give them a magical item that's necessary to help them in their main storyline. Yeah. But now we have to consider the other part. What's gonna happen if the players fail? to lift the curse what if they don't accept the quest from skink Nose? what's going to be those consequences
2: i would say maybe hmm, sorry i've been watching a lot of moral combat and all i can think of like shanks taking souls so maybe he something steals like their that, souls
1: like, oh my or at least gosh.
2: one member of the party oh
1: that's so good Because then he becomes the main villain that they have to deal with because he just stole one of their souls.
2: Yes, or like stores it away or like maybe he consumes souls.
1: Oh, that's even more hardcore. So he consumes their soul. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, but like
2: man. he's not going to consume it right away so like if they wanted it it's like an additional mission so like he's got it stored in like a jar full of other souls warriors that have failed
1: certainly I can understand that as being a failure of not succeeding in lifting the curse but is he going to do the same thing if they just outright refuse him and don't want to do the quest because of his unpredictable nature is he just going to suck all their souls and fight all of them or something
2: hmm. I would say maybe fight all of them with him being all powerful, like he maybe feels like they don't have the right to refuse his request. Okay. I feel like he'd definitely lash out at that point.
1: Okay. Because of his unpredictability, he would lash out because they don't want to help him. Correct but we have other questions such as what are the goals and motivations of the character and how do they affect his general personality is there a particular way that he talks and acts what impact has he made on the world how has he shaped the local area and what is the one thing that's keeping him from being a bigger player on the stage
2: so i would say again just assuming that he's been a lich for quite a while Mm. i would say that what's keeping him from being a main player at this point is that he's had enough time to sort of because again he's One of the things that we talked about was being contemplative. So he's had enough time to sort of live and do all these things that he's now at a point where he's going back and really thinking, did I make the right choices or could I have done other things? Hmm all this cosmic power, living forever, he's a beekeeper. Maybe he's a beekeeper because he's decided to take that step back hmm. and just sort of isolate for a while and sort of allow life to go on until at such time he decides to step back into it.
1: Okay, interesting. Do you imagine him talking or acting in any specific way?
2: Definitely sort of like a gravelly, slow, like you could tell he's been around for centuries kind of voice, okay. if that makes any sense. Whatsoever. Oh, no,
1: I get it. Okay, gravelly, slow. You can feel the eons in his voice. Okay. Yeah. His goals and motivations are he's contemplating, he's thinking on the choices that he's made. And perhaps because of his wanting to step back and become a beekeeper at least for a while, that's him maybe trying to make atonements and and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, especially given the side quest that we just talked about. Like he definitely has some regrets, especially prior to becoming a Lich. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like they're starting to catch up to him and they've Mm -hmm. sort of shaped him into this person that he's got all this power, he enjoys his power, but also is kind of at a point now where he's like, mm, maybe I didn't do things the way I could have.
1: I just had a thought and you tell me if I'm thinking along the right lines, based on the character we've created, kind of seems like the Wicked Witch of the West from Wicked the Musical. Just yes. start out wanting to be evil, But then based on all the surrounding characters kind of influencing and shaping our character, that's how they got cast into the role of villain. And now the villain is like, no, 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 wait, I'm taking control of the narrative again. I'm going to take a step back. I didn't want to be a lich. I just wanted to know magic and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, very much like that. Also, if you've ever seen any episodes of Once Upon a Time, you see that for a lot of their villain characters, that is a common thing where it's like, they didn't start out to be the villain, especially like their villain. Skillskin, he just wanted to protect his family and then that magic just sort of corrupted him and turned him into this villain and then by the end of the series he's become the man that he wanted to be which was brave but still able to protect people
1: well I think we've learned quite a bit about our lich character here so I think it's only fitting now that we head into a random encounter <laughs> This is going to be the part of the show where we're going to have a little role play, a little vignette. We're going to see Skinknose in action. And I think since you've created such a lovely and very nuanced character, I think it's only fitting that you should be the role of Skinknose. Excellent. This should be a Sonya situation. Sonya is a relatively new NPC that I've created on this show to help in situations. She's a little more rough and tumble, strong, powerful, awesome, all around, tough woman. And she doesn't have qualms about any kind of job that need be done. Whereas Duncan is suicidally brave, but he's good natured. So I don't know if he would necessarily talking to liches on an everyday basis, I suppose. Yeah. I wonder where this scene is taking place. Is this just like his lich's tower and there's just a bunch of beehives all around at the bottom and he's just tending to his beehives one day when Sonya walks up? Or is Sonya maybe journeying to find him for some reason? Or did he call for someone to come and try and complete this side quest? Like he put a call out and she answered or something?
2: I want to say that, you know, she's out wandering on maybe just looking for a random adventure. Kind of seems like she's not the kind of person that'd be like, I'm gonna just sit at home, read a book. She's very much seems like she'd be out there in the world just trying to experience it. And maybe he sent a call out there and only the bravest of warriors would be the ones who hear it. And so she kind of hears it and is like, all right, we're gonna follow that. Like, no fear. Let's, it's a random voice. I don't care that it came out of nowhere and no one else seems to hear it. Let's go.
1: After completing her last mission of killing the corrupt king with our half-elf assassin friend, in the middle of the night she begins to hear voices and whisperings in her ear talking about coming to find the Dark Tower and to meet with a man who will award untold riches for those willing to take on the quest and the journey. So she wakes up the next day, bids her new friend farewell as she sets off outside of town, far off on a journey, days, weeks, who knows how long. Her feet tired, but eventually she crests the hill and she sees this tower imposing but yet kind of a juxtaposition with the beehives and the bees buzzing around at the base of the tower so she steals her gaze, makes sure that her armor is well fastened and she journeys up to the tower and begins the process of climbing the tower she creaks open the door and she sees the dim firelight coming from within and she sees the tall, skeletal almost appearance of this man and so Sonia with her hand on the hilt of the sword on her back she'll say are you the one that talked to me
0: in my dreams
2: Skinknose will be expecting feel like at this point he senses when someone has accepted the call so mm-hmm. he's probably standing at a window gazing out amongst his many many beehives and will answer yes i am the one who called i see that you were one of the worthy who have heard it and do you wish to accept the mission that I have for you.
1: She will take her hand off the sword and she'll go, I think I can do the job. What is it that you need done?
2: So he will turn and standing at his full imposing height will walk slowly towards her and begin to tell her about how in his youth, before he became the being that he is today, his family had close ties with another local farming family. And he, in an effort to save his mother, he makes a deal with a sorcerer to help save her, and he offers him a chance to learn the magic needed to save her, but in exchange he'll need to make a great sacrifice, be it his or the friendship of another. Mm-hmm. And so in that, he doesn't want to sacrifice anything in his own family, but the only thing that he has that's as close to family would be, say, the daughter of the family that was sort of like the glue of the family. She's the kindest one, and he convinces her to to run away on an adventure, ensuring her that they'll be back, but instead has taken her to Cliffside Cave or something. And in there, he's enacted the curse. He had to sacrifice her in order to take the health and good fortune from her family to save his mom.
1: And Sonia's listening and she's taking in all these words that he's speaking.
2: What he wishes to do, what he did not realize that he had done, is that by taking her and hiding her way, he sealed this curse because the curse is now with her remains. So in order for the curse to be broken, she must be reunited with her family in some way but no one knows that she's there. And Mm. as far as her family knows, it's been handed down through the family line that she ran away and no one ever knew what happened to her. Mm. So he would like to return her to her family. And if she's able to return it to the family without coming across any of the obstacles that may be in the cave, because he set some traps and maybe there's a deadly creature or two in there that's taken residence over the time so she's able to get through all that without being unsuccessful then he will reward her and aid her in her journey to her next adventure
1: all right so sonia will say i agree to this i can face these challenges i can bring back the body of the bones of this woman and return them to her family and you'll gift me with great magical artifacts to help me in my journey you say
2: yes He will agree
1: She'll stick her arm out that Roman-esque arm handshake as her hand grips around the skeletal forearm of the lich as if trying to check for hidden weapons. She stiffens a little bit as she finishes the handshake and then releases. And she goes, all right, just tell me where it is and I'll go get it done.
2: We'll direct her to a small village that is... 300 miles south of the tower. And just beyond that village, there'll be a meadow that leads off to this sort of dark and forbidding cliffside. And then the cliff would be, it would be at the bottom of the cliff base, sort mm. of hidden behind what looks like a dead end of like trees.
1: And then you would see Sonia is beginning to consult her maps and charts that she has. And she finishes squaring out all the details. And then the scene fades to black as Sonia leaves the towers, the bees faintly buzzing in the background as she begins her journey long and hard to the south to go return these bones. And scene. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Wow, that was really good. You went into the whole description of what it was. I was just spellbound, just listening, and I was like, wow, I think Lee has never played Dungeons and Dragons before, but she sounds like she'd be a great dungeon master already because she has great ideas. (laughs)
2: And <laughs> all these years of book reading and theater have paid off.
1: <laughs> what did you think of the scene?
2: You know, for my first time ever doing it, it's pretty cool just kind of being able to just create a world out of almost nothing. Because you know, there's really nothing to say, Oh, that's not gonna work. It's just kind of however you want the world to be. It's your world. Right. Especially right now with the pandemic and everything going on, just being able to create your own world where you can control what's happening is just a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. I don't really know how else to describe this. just kind of how it feels. It's just like, it's really cool just being able to create a whole new world.
1: And you did just that now with Skinknose, which was awesome. And again, brilliant work. And I I can't wait to try and use him in my game. And I hope others will, and that they'll write to us on our subreddit or our Twitter and Facebook and be like, oh my gosh, such a cool character. I'm going to totally put him in my campaign.
2: That would be cool. Definitely when all this is over, I do have two friends that they have a game night every Thursday and I definitely want to try to get out there and see if I can't find some games to try on my own. Yeah. Or maybe join them on there. I live with my younger sister and she and I were talking about the fact that we need to get out of our apartment more. Mm -hmm. And so this might be something that she is willing to jump in on or she might just look at me like I'm a weirdo and more than she normally does because I'm the older sister. So she already looks at me like I'm a weirdo. But maybe she'll join me, maybe she won't. It'll just be a really cool experience, I think.
1: Yeah, I like to say that Dungeons and Dragons is storytelling with dice. You'll never have a finer time, I say.
2: Yeah, I look forward to doing it more in the future, for sure.
0: Awesome.
1: Well, as we're wrapping up the show, in the final thoughts here, I like to try and give my guest a soapbox, an opportunity to let them promote something, whether it's a project they're working on or something they're passionate about, they care about. And let us know where we can find you on the interwebs.
2: All right. Well, I'm going to be honest. I'm not super active on social media. Like, I have a TikTok. I've met, like, six videos on there. They're stupid. Facebook, you can find me under Leah Deshawn Murray. And then... I would say if you have the chance, theater is a little bit of a dying industry, especially right now. And while I may not be able to go out, I highly encourage people to look around on YouTube. There's plenty of stuff on there. I know Andrew Lloyd Webber is doing like free streams of all his shows like every weekend. Get out there, enjoy the theater, especially if you're into things like D&D. Get involved in your community theater. Not that different, I would think. Mm -hmm. It's more scripted for sure, but get involved, get out there, enjoy it and have fun and get out there and promote what you guys love, too.
1: Awesome. Support your local theater. It's a nice date night,
2: so why not? It is probably the cheapest or more expensive, depending on where you are. (laughs) Right. Community theater, people make jokes about it, but it's definitely, like, you see some of the most amazing shows in community theater, or even, like, college theater, especially. Like, if you live in a college town, those are some of the cheapest tickets you're going to find, for sure. And
1: you're helping to build up the confidence and the skills of those actors that are learning the
2: trade. Oh yeah, for sure. As a former theater student, like it was really cool getting to meet people in the community and just know that we were doing something to help take them out of their day and getting the opportunity to do some of the more classic things like Shakespeare or some of the non-classic things like Putnam County Spelling Bee, where there's a kid that sings about having an unfortunate erection. So stuff like that. It's definitely a lot of fun and I feel like more people should get out there and see what there is because there's something for everybody awesome.
1: Leah, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I encourage anyone and everyone, anyone can play D&D, everyone should play D&D, and anyone can certainly be a guest on this show, whether you have experience with the game or not, because look what we did. We had a conversation, we made an engaging NPC character, and now I can't wait to use Skinknose in a game. So again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you for being awesome. And we'll get through this pandemic and hope to see you again soon in person and have you as a guest on the show and you'll be able to give us an update and let us know oh yeah i've played DD now i got the bug for sure
0: thank you for listening to this episode of sidekicks and sidequests be sure to subscribe to the podcast through apple podcast google play spotify and overcast or feel free to save the rss feed to use the app of your choice you can visit our website sidekicksandsidequests.com for links write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs in your games, discussions, and commentary. If you'd like to hail the bard, send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone and I want to hear about it. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast. Copyright Wizards of the Coast LLC. Thank you so much for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four. Oh!
1: Psychics and psychics.